This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to analyze direct indexing. Direct indexing is an equity strategy that's been around for some time, but it's become really popular in the last three years or so. We're going to discuss the pros and cons of direct indexing and kind of talk about why you might want to have that be a part of your investment strategy. First of all, before we dive into direct indexing, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners that have been tuning into the podcast each week, considering the podcast is pretty new. I'm really excited that we have as many listeners as we do, and I look forward to seeing this podcast continue to grow and continue to help people. We have some exciting updates on the podcast coming up soon, and I look forward to sharing those with you in the coming weeks. But for now, we're going to talk about direct indexing. First of all, let's talk about what an index is. An index or a synonym would be a benchmark is basically a a market measuring tool. It's a way to analyze how is the market doing broadly because the equity markets and for today's podcast, if I say markets, I'm really talking about the stock market, the equity markets. Today, we're really not talking about fixed income as much. An index is really a way to just measure how the market is doing more broadly. The market is made up of thousands of stocks. In the United States, I believe there are over 5,000 different listed companies. But for most investors, we're really familiar with only like 50 to 100 of them, kind of the big household names. But there are many other publicly traded companies that are maybe much smaller or have much fewer employees or may not be headquartered near you that you may not be aware of, but they are still listed on an exchange and they still trade in the market just like some of the biggest stocks that you and I are very familiar with. When we say, how is the market doing, it's really hard for us to analyze how 5,000 or more different stocks are doing. And that's just the United States, by the way, many more if you look across the globe. So indexes were created as a way to kind of put your thumb on the performance of the market more broadly. An index has a few key characteristics. So first of all, an index has to have some sort of criteria in order to be included in the index. There are lots of different index providers, such as S&P or Standard & Poor's, There's many other companies that make indexes and benchmarks. When a benchmark is made, and some have been around for many decades, but when an uh, an index is made, you have to define what's going to be inside the index. So let's talk about one of the most popular indexes in the world, the S&P 500, for instance. 
It's a very popular, well-known index. And I, I don't want to get into every single detail of how it's constructed. But to summarize, the S&P 500 looks for the 500 largest companies listed in the United States by market capitalization. And there's your first several criteria. So has to be a U.S. company, U.S. stock must be large in terms of market capitalization. And when they rank them, must be one of the top 500. Market capitalization is a measure of, of how big a company is by taking the number of shares that are outstanding of that company's stock and multiplying it by the stock price. So if a company has 20,000 shares outstanding and each share is worth $10 per share, then the market capitalization of that company is $200,000. Take that concept and add some more zeros to the end, and that's basically how public company market capitalizations are measured. Many indices have a quality criteria. Some index providers dictate that for a particular index, maybe they won't take any company that has negative earnings, or maybe they don't take any companies with uh, predatory share practices, like there's two different voting classes of shares, for instance. Usually, an index has some degree of a size component, some degree of a location component. In reality, most indices that we work with on a daily basis are built with many different criteria that all go together to make that index. Once you have that index, it's basically a list of stocks that met all that criteria. And some are price-weighted, some are cap-weighted. Most, most indices that practitioners follow are cap-weighted. So what that means is um, the largest stocks by market capitalization have the largest weight in the index. Some indices are equal weighted, which is exactly as they sound. Every stock that met the criteria gets an equal weight. And a much more less common criteria is to be price weighted so that the company with the largest stock price would have the largest weight in the index. That is how an index, in a nutshell, is created. That's a very, very short summary of how an index is made. It's actually really more complicated than that. Also, another key feature of an index is there has to be a criteria and method of operation for when they're going to reconstitute the index. Reconstitute is a, a word that index providers use to describe the criteria and manner in which they make additions and subtractions to the index. So if you take an index that's maybe the 1,000 largest companies in the United States, you can probably bet that the top five will remain in the top five for the foreseeable future. But if you go all the way down to the bottom of that index and you look at number 998, number 999, and number 1000, over the course of time, those companies, maybe one or two of them actually don't grow as fast as the companies that were just left out of the index at number 1001, 1002, 1003. And so on a periodic basis, they reconstitute the index and say, we ran the numbers again, and now the stock that was number 1002, 
last year is now number 999 in our ranking. Therefore, that stock needs to go into the index and this other stock needs to come out of the index. When that happens, that's called reconstituting. And it's just to basically rebalance the index, just like most investors rebalance their portfolios from time to time. That's how you reconstitute an index. So let's now steer towards our topic of direct indexing. When most investors decide to invest broadly in an index, um, or more, uh, a more technical term is you just want to buy beta. Beta is a, a term that uh, describes the market's movement, uh, not related to a specific security. So if you're buying beta, you're buying the market. You just want to buy the market. Many people do that through an index fund. So an index fund is either a mutual fund or an ETF, some sort of vehicle to basically buy the index. So if you're buying an, an index like the S&P 500, then you're buying one security. And within that security, they own all of the stocks that make up the index in the correct proportion. And as the index is reconstituted, they're making those changes appropriately within the portfolio. So an index fund has two or three really key jobs. Number one, they have to make the fund. Number two, they initially buy the index, all the different companies at all the correct weights inside the fund. And then number three, they have to reconstitute it exactly when the index reconstitutes in the exact same ways and the exact same weights. So that after the reconstitution, the index fund still exactly matches the index. For most investors, buying an index fund, if that's what you choose to do, is sufficient to get that market exposure. However, direct indexing is an alternative to that. Direct indexing is conceptually like you are creating your own index fund. So you take a pool of money and instead of buying an index fund with that pool of money, you buy all of the index securities and in their appropriate weight. So you're doing the same things that an index fund is doing, but you're skipping the first step. You're not doing it in a fund. You're doing it on your own or through another provider that's doing it for you. Let's take an example. So let's say you have $500,000 and you want to deploy an indexing strategy. And we're just going to make up an index called the USA 1500 index. It's the top 1500 largest stocks in the US. And I just made that up. So you take your, your money there, your $500,000, you could go out and buy an index fund that tracks the USA 1500 stock index. You would just make one purchase, one $500,000 purchase of that fund or as close to 500,000 as you could get. And you buy that one security. You look at your statement, it has one thing on it. And inside that you own those 1500 stocks that make up that index. Alternatively, direct indexing means that you take your $500,000 and you buy 1500 positions in the 1500 stocks that make up my hypothetical USA 1500 index and you buy them in the correct proportion so that it exactly matches the index. 
And when the index is periodically reconstituted, you're doing the same thing. You're making those adjustments, you're buying and selling what moved in and out of the index and in the correct proportion. Now, for most people, trying to do this on your own would be extremely cumbersome and also pretty difficult to do. Uh, most index providers, uh, you have to pay them to have access to the data on the index to see what's in the index and in what proportion. That's proprietary information that they have a right to charge you for that. So therefore, it would be difficult for most investors to attempt to do this on their own because, number one, you would need to have access to that index data. So a solution to that is that there are direct indexing providers out there. There's a bunch. I'm not going to name any of these specific ones. What they do is basically uh, manage an account for you or accounts for you that track a specific index. They uh, know exactly what to buy for the amount of money that you're asking them to invest for you, and they deploy that in accordance with whatever index they're tracking, the correct stocks, the correct number, the correct weights. The bigger question to consider is, is such a strategy appropriate for you? And I can't tell you individually whether or not it's appropriate for you because you're listening. I, I don't know you personally, but I'll give you some of the concepts to consider. First of all, you need to have a fairly large account size. So the prices of stocks can range from anywhere from a few dollars to a few thousand dollars and everything in between. But when you're trying to replicate an index, it's all percentage based. So such and such stock is worth, let's say 5% of the index. And let's say that stock's share price is $2,000 a share. Well, if you're trying to invest 5% um, in a stock that has a share price of $2,000, then your account value has to be at least $40,000. So 40,000, 5% of $40,000 is 2,000. So if that stock has a 5% weighting, you'd have to have one, you could buy one share. In reality, to direct index, you wanna be much more specific than that. And so many direct index companies that do this for people require much larger balances. 250,000, 500,000, a million or more, depends on the provider. That's the first hurdle, to ask yourself whether or not this is appropriate for you. Do I have sufficient funds to do this strategy? If you don't, it doesn't mean you can't track the index. You would just need to choose an index fund. There are a couple of other scenarios where direct indexing can make a lot of sense. If you have a concentrated position, so let's say you have a lot of shares of one particular company. I'm just going to make up a company called uh, Oak Tree Oil. So Oak Tree Oil is a company that I made up and it's in an index. And let's say it's, let's say it's a pretty large company in this particular index. Let's say it's like 12% of the index. If you already own a massive amount of Oak Tree Oil, maybe you're an executive there, or you inherited it. But either way, you own a really large amount of that stock. If you buy the index, you're going to end up just buying more oak tree stock. So 
if you have a, a bunch of oak trees oil stock and you take a million dollars to index and you buy an index fund, you just added $120,000 to your position in Oak Tree Oil because within that index fund, they're buying 12% of the index. 12% is what the amount of Oak Tree Oil is. That's 120,000 on a million. So one way that direct indexing can be valuable to people is if you have a concentration you can go to a direct indexing company and say, I'd like to invest with you. I'd like to do direct indexing. I'd like you to buy the index except for Oak tree oil. And then they would build an index for you custom to you around that one stock. So that's one potential use case for direct indexing. Another benefit of direct indexing is from tax loss harvesting. Tax loss harvesting is where you take advantage of the tax rules that say you may sell a stock at a loss, a capital loss, and you can either use that loss to offset some capital gains, or you can take that as a deduction on your tax return subject to the threshold limitations. Direct indexing allows you to do that sort of tax loss harvesting in uh, a, a much more active way. So if you buy an index fund, you could do the same thing, but your entire one position would have to be at a loss. And then you'd have to buy something similar, but not exactly the same. And you're, now you're talking about, you know, one massive position that owns the index. If you're direct indexing, you may own a hundred, 500, 1500 stocks in this account that has the index built inside of it at any given time. Some stocks are doing well, some are not. The tax aspect of direct indexing allows you to temporarily sell one of the stocks that's at a loss in your direct indexed portfolio, and you get to utilize that loss to either offset gains or you can take the deduction up to the limitation. With the cash, the providers, some do it differently. Some will buy you know, an index fund that tracks the sector that that stock was in. Some will just leave it in cash. Just kind of depends on the provider, but they'll keep out of the stock that they sold for the appropriate time period that's permitted under the tax rules. And then they'll buy back in at the right time. Effectively, what that does is you are temporarily not aligned with the index, but only for a short time. And if it's only a handful of stocks that are lost at a loss, you only are away from the index allocation in a small way. What that does is you are able to more or less replicate the return of the index, but while you're replicating the turn of return of the index, you're generating tax losses that you can use to offset gains or to take a deduction that you might not otherwise have been able to if you just owned an index fund. Those, in my mind, in my personal opinion, are the two biggest use cases for doing direct indexing. If you have a concentration in an individual stock or an industry or a sector, a direct index provider can build you a custom index around that. And that's a great benefit. Number two, if you want to generate tax losses on a more active basis, direct indexing opens the door for that possibility. Now, 
stocks have to actually go down to generate losses. So it's no guarantee that you'll generate tax losses because you have to actually have some losses to generate. But when your account holds 1500 stocks or 2000 stocks or 500 stocks, you have a much greater chance of one of them or two of them or, or more being at a loss than if you just own one really large position in an index fund. Those are some of the key benefits to me in my mind. What are the downsides? Well, so this is not free. That's I think the, the chief drawback, you have to pay a direct index provider to do this for you. And it's more expensive than if you just purchased an index fund. There's lots of different options out there of people that do this. I'm not going to get into their fees, but in general, it's cheaper to just go buy an index fund. It's also easier to just go buy an index fund. You can open a brokerage account, pick a fund, buy it, done. But a direct index provider is a much more complicated process. It's not incredibly complicated, but it's certainly more complicated than just buying one fund. Lastly, it's just in general more complicated. So your statements will be massive. You get a statement in the mail of all your holdings. And instead of one or two or three index funds, you have 500 positions or 1,000 or 1,500, depending on what index you're tracking or something in between. That's a lot of paper or email paper, and it's just more clunky. So if you're in the boat of one of those scenarios that I talked about, then direct indexing can really make sense. A third reason you might want to direct index is if you have just a personal preference for not buying a particular industry or sector or group of stocks and it would be hard to find a way to do that with an index fund. You can go to a direct index provider and say, I don't like this industry or I don't like that industry. Please build me a portfolio that replicates this index except for stocks that are in these industries. And, and they're able to do that. There are some hybrid options out there that are not exactly index funds not exactly true direct indexing. It is direct indexing to a degree. Um, and those have much lower entry points, maybe $10,000 or $50,000. Um, so there are some other options out there that are available at a lower price point. But generally, true direct indexing requires a, a fairly substantial upfront account balance. I hope you found today's episode interesting and useful as you evaluate direct indexing and to consider whether or not it's appropriate for you. Obviously, I don't know you, so I can't say if direct indexing makes sense for you or not, but if you think that you are in one of those scenarios where direct indexing might make sense that I talked about, I would encourage you to speak to your advisor or your financial planner to see if it maybe it does make sense or to actually reach out to a direct index provider to talk to them more about that. That's all for today's episode on direct indexing. I hope you found it valuable and helpful. We'll be back next week with another episode. Take care. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. 
The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.